Okay. Um, Joseph reminded me, sort of. There is one idea that I just partially realized that when we finished learning the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's explanation of, of uh, the advantage of this world, that this is the world of Giliatzmus, because this is the world where we experience Mitzius and Mitzmusa, existence by virtue of itself, even though our experience is false. But the very fact that we experience that means that the source of our being is a place that can give us such an experience, and that's Atmos and Atmos only. Um, that explains the idea of Yisra'na Oroba Minachoshech. The Rebbe doesn't use those words, but that's what the Rebbe is explaining. Yisra'na Oroba Minachoshech does not mean, and we said this a number of times when we were translating it, at the end of the first chapter in the Friedrich Rebbe, so the Friedrich Rebbe mentions that Yisra'na Oroba Minachoshech. In the Friedrich Rebbe, that seems to be Sevev. A greater level of light emerges from the dark. Three is Kafi, Bis Hafcha, your Megala, Sevev. You reveal Sevev. The Rebbe takes it to a whole new level. Yisra'na Or does not mean the greatest level of Or. It means something that is greater than Or. Something that has an advantage over Or. Atmos. Atmos is an Or. As amazing as Or is, infinite godly revelation relative to Atmos. We've been through this. We talked about this in the context of Yadaita. It's called Ayin. It's called non-existence. Meaning relative to yesh amiti, relative to true being, so godly light is referred to as ayin. It's not true being, it's revealed being, it's not essential being, it's gilui. That level of ayin gives birth to another level of ayin that is the source of a new level of yesh called yesh hanivra. So we refer to creation as yesh mi'ayin, a state of yesh. Which, interesting enough, in Bria obviously doesn't mean this, but ultimately it means a state of an experience of existence by virtue of itself. From Ayin, from a state of Ayin. What's that Ayin? Well, that Ayin is Atzilus, which is not created. So the Rebbe Shab explains very, very, very clearly in a number of my Marim that, that the, the process of downward movement of reality is Yesh, Yesh Amiti, true being, that's Atmos. Ayin, infinite godly light. Ayin, Atzilus. Yesh, Yesh, Ayin, Ayin, Yesh. The first level of Ayin is called Ayin relative to where it comes from. It's not essential being. It's only limited, uh, uh, revealed being. Which is still infinite and amazing, but it's not essential being. It has a source. Its source is in the ma'or, the source of light, or whatever level it happens to emanate from. So that's the ayin after yesh, which is ayin relative to where it comes from. Then you and I talk about, more often, bria yesh ayin, the creation of yesh ayin. Well, that ayin is called ayin relative to the yesh that comes out of it. Interestingly enough, at Silos, just to confuse you, I'm not really trying to confuse you, but you're going to run into this, so you won't be confused when you run into it. There will be my mind that will describe Atzilus as yesh. Why? Well, relative to infinite godly light, it's a yesh. It's finite, finite. Loose, loosely termed finite, because after all, there's ten levels of Elokus there. Ten expressions, ten revelations. 
ten states of revelation? Because there's Kaili. So relative to Sevev, that would be called Yesh. Okay, so why do we call it Silas Ayin? Well, because it's Ayin relative to the Yesh that comes out of it. And what is it that's unique about the Yesh that comes out of that Ayin? It's Yesh Nivra, it's created reality. And it's Silas is not created, it's creator, which is what we learned in the first chapter. Okay? So just a quick synopsis of the first chapter to make sure everybody understands why we're going where we're going. The Rebbe talks about the fact that the essential revelation of Elokus is in this world and it's brought about through the Avedi Vizkafi Vizhafka. That's the headline. That's the beginning of the, of the, of the Maim. Right? What's that all about? Well, well, the Rebbe actually doesn't even mention Yizkafi Vizhafka in the beginning, in the, in, the, in the headline. The greatest revelation was in this world. Siddiquim are all about bringing godliness down into this world, and that's what it means, Basi Lagani Okay, I've come back. That's the first half of the first page. Then the Rebbe explains that the ultimate kavana, the intention of this world, was that there should be a dear b'dachtoinim, that godliness should be revealed in this lower realm. That's brought about through his kafya and his hafcha, two different levels of avayda, subduing the Yitzhahara and ultimately transforming the Yitzhahara. That's his kafya of his hafcha. Right? And then, what, what does that bring about? A revelation of a level of elokus called Seve. What's Seve? Well, first understand Mamale. What's Mamale? So the Rebbe explains for 20 lines the different levels of godly reality revealed in each subsequent world. Atzilas, a place of Gilu Ehelem, absolute revelation. Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, different levels of created reality, each with, as we go down, more Yesh, more sense of self, more sense of separateness, until you get to this world where that's just existential. Okay. That the Rebbe explained the worlds. In order to understand Seve, which is a level of light beyond all of these worlds, and what, what one word that describes the difference between Seve and Mamale. I mean, there might be a couple of words you can think of, but one word in particular. It's a one-word answer. Hmm? Sevev Zamakif, okay, true. What differentiates Mamale from Sevev? Not Sevev from Mamale. Mamale from Sevev. Kalim. That's what Mamale is all about. As soon as you say that word, then you know what you're talking about. Kalim. What does Kalim mean? Differentiated, specific expressions of reality. That's what Kalim means. Not teacups. It's not that God's being put in little teacups. It's a, it's it, Kalim is simply the mushal, the parable we use to describe that which allows reality to express itself in differentiated, unique, specific ways. That's Kalim, which is a revelation of God's ability to do that. I mean, in Metzilus, the Kalim are elokus. They're not or. How can a Kli be or? Kalim isn't elo- the Kalim aren't elokus aren't or in Atzilus, but they're elokus because or and clear that's all elokus. Right? What's or? Well, we talked about this a lot in Vyraita, the revelation of the kayachag bilti gvul in Ein the unlimited power in Ein What's kli? A revelation of kayachag gvul, the power of limitation in Ein It's all in. Okay. So, you know, when you think of kalim, don't think of little teacups that God's 
being poured into. No. The Kli itself, the Pnimi Yeshiva Pnimi, is Elokus. It's just Elokus allowing for reality to be expressed in a certain way. Limited, differentiated, specific. Right? It's now, this case. isn't God. But it, is it Elokus? No. The Pnimi Yeshiva it is, because everything is. But what's this? This is just an ex- a very powerful expression of God's ability to be expressed in finite. Incredibly powerful expression. What? It's the ice cups. That's at Silas. Is the ice cup. I, this, this isn't an ice cup. This is something that looks completely different. Bepnemius shepepnemius. What is that? An ice cup. Right? Because th- don't get hung up by the cleat. The Kli doesn't really hide. The Kli really reveals. What's it revealing? Existence. What's existence? God. Elokus. Don't bow down to it. Don't be stupid. That's what people did. Okay? For spiritual purposes. People bow down now to physicality for physical purposes. Used to be people bowed down to physicality for spiritual purposes. But that taiva was taken out of the world. They had a taiva for, for Avedazar. And at the time of the destruction of the Second Temple, so that taiva was taken out of the world. That's what Chazal tells us. What was it replaced by? So that this is a drusha that everybody has said for the last you know, 1,800 years, evidently. Because right? I'll say the taiva for Elo, Elohei Kesef, gods of silver, was taken out of the world. What was it replaced by? A taiva for silver. Not gods of silver, just silver. Kashmir. Right? You read Tanakh and you're just sort of blown away by these Jews who keep getting stuck in a Vedazara. Like, what is wrong with these people? Right? Like, why can't, what, you know, you read Shafti? It's just so bizarre. So right? They, 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 they serve idols and they get smashed and it's obviously some divine smashing and so they all do tshuva. And they're from, and then they get then they get into idols again, and they get smashed. What is their issue? We don't get it. Well, imagine them looking at us, watching us drown in a sea of whipped cream, right? <laughs> completely into gashmias, like if we just you know talk about single malt whiskeys and which coffee is better and all this stuff, right? And they just what is wrong with them? Right? They just don't get it. And they, they see us keeping Shabbos and eating kosher food, and you know, like we're, we're doing all the stuff. They were doing all the stuff, right? And we just don't get it. Like, what's their problem? Well, they don't get us. They watch us from up there. And they're, what? Gosh, what is my goodness gracious? They're just crazy. We don't get them either. Because they're ta- the taiva they had, we don't. The taivas we have, they didn't have. So they can't figure us out, and we can't figure them out. It's like men trying to figure out why women wear high-heeled shoes. Why, why do they do that? It looks so unbelievably uncomfortable. Right? They wobble around when they walk, and the first thing they do when they get where they're going is what? They take them off. So why are you wearing them in the first place? I don't know. I don't know. Men don't understand that. Try saying that to a woman. She'll kill you. Step on you with her high heels. <laughs> the end of you. I, I don't. It happens to be my wife doesn't own a pair, but I, I, you know, we produced a couple of women who seem to have a type of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's bizarre, and they're tall. It's not like they're you know, 
minus four three and they want to you know reach the ground or something. They're, they're, they're tall. All of our daughters are tall. And two of them have these tigers for these things. You know? It's ridiculous. So what? Anyway, whatever. So men don't understand. It. Okay. Say that. And then the end of the the end of the paragraph. So the Rebbe explains Yisro which is saving, being revealed in Elamaza. And, and our Rebbe comes and tells us that when the Friedrich Rebbe says Seyvev, really, that's Atzimus. It's just not limited light. Something ultimately beyond light. Okay, base, Vehine. Zeis haisa avveide b'mishkan u'mikdash b'avedes ha'birurim d'bechines yizkafya mevi yamayla l'bechines yizhavcha chashucha l'nayra. This was the Aveda in the mishkan in the mikdash. B'avedes ha'birurim rectifying physical reality in the most powerful way imaginable such that physical reality becomes the actual vehicle for the revelation of Elokos. Base, back in the, in the, in the original mind. Which comes to the level of, uh, sorry, that comes to the level of his hafka, turning darkness to light. Physical reality is no longer that which hides Elokus. Physical reality becomes the revealed vehicle for the revelation of Elokus. There is a place in space full of all sorts of objects and incredible revelation is happening in that place. Unbelievable. A place that is in a revealed way a, a, a place both of finite and infinite dimension. Right? A place where space is completely different than space anywhere else. Such that, what's the most powerful expression of that? Brought in Chassidus all the time, just made a mission in Pirkei Avis, Ha'aron Enamin Amidu. That the Aaron is not part of the measurement. Meaning, the Aaron, the Aaron which was two and a half Amis long, by one and a half Amis wide and one and a half Amis tall. And if it wasn't exactly that measure, then it wouldn't have the quality that it had. And what was its interesting quality? That it didn't take up space. From the side of the Mishkan to the side of the Mishkan, was, it was 10. It, in the base of Mikdash, it was 20. And from the, from the side of the Kodesh Gadoshim to the side of the Kodesh Gadoshim was 10 Amis, 15 feet. All right, so from here, to here, that this is one and a half, so this is uh, four and a quarter and four and a quarter. And then one and a half, that equals ten. Right? So from here to here was five Amis each way. From here to here was also five Amis. How was it five Amis? There was something one and a half Amis in the middle. The iron was there, it didn't take up space. Now, it only didn't take up space because it was exactly the measurements of two and a half by one and a half by one and a half. If it weren't exactly those measurements in space, it would have taken up space. But because it was exactly the measurement that the Abishta wanted, so therefore it was exactly the Kli that the Abishta wanted in that place, so it didn't take up space, even though it was in space. And if you walked into it, you'd get a bruise. But it didn't take up space. Well, right, that's the base of Mikdash. A place of limitation where beyond limitation is revealed as powerfully as limitation. Aaron Amida. Okay, how's that work? Oh, 
Well, we do know. I mean, we could see it in Gashmias. We didn't know how it works exactly, but, the, but, but you could measure it in Gashmias. Classic example of the base of Mikdash being a place of the synthesis of two different levels of reality. I have a question. Hmm? If the Aaron the, the was not exactly, was, was, was not in, in the, the exact place in the, the, the Kodesh Kodesh, would it have taken up space? I assume so. If it wasn't built in the same, in the exact measure that it was built, it would, it would have taken up space. Which is so, uh, just one of the interesting dichotomies of the whole thing. So, so it, it, it's the fact that it was the, the exact measurements in the exact place. Meaning it was in line with God's will. So it was revealing God the way it was supposed to reveal God. Right? You do a mitzvah sort of right. Well, I loved after you did the mitzvah. Well, I've got three parshas in my tefillin. That's pretty good, isn't it? No, it's not called tefillin. <laughs> Just not tefillin. Can you make a bracha and tefillin with three parshas in it? No. Right? Well, you know, I mean, but aren't I sort of making some statement of my connection to God by wrapping this on? Not really. Yes. I mean, you yes, know. That you don't care. Well, okay, whatever. You know, I could say, well, it's sort of general, isn't it? Well, no. Not too much general going on in a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. As much as the Kaddish Baruch Hu is infinite, he's very powerfully interested in being expressed in finite, which means that if you, if, you know, if you make Kiddush two minutes earlier than you're allowed to, then it's not called Kiddush. If you're Mechabal Shabbos two minutes earlier than you're allowed, you're allowed to be Mechabal Shabbos early. How much early? Well, there's a limit to how much early. So you're Mechabal two minutes earlier than that. It's not called Kiddush. Oh, come on, two minutes, man. Hey, you know, I'm just experiencing godliness here. No, you're not. Experiencing yourself has nothing to do with God. Don't put him there. God said, don't make Kiddush then. So why in the world are you making Kiddush? What's that got to do with him? Keep bringing your wife purple flowers. She hates purple. Why are you bringing your purple flowers? Oh, because I want to show her that I love her. No, you don't. You're just a weirdo. Why do you keep bringing your purple flowers? <laughs> she doesn't like purple. Don't bring her purple flowers. If it's got anything to do with her, you won't bring purple flowers. No, but it's the idea. No, it isn't. It's not the idea. It's the Mesa. What are you bringing her? Something that she takes and throws in the garbage as soon as you bring it because she can't stand purple. She actually hates flowers. So don't bring her flowers. Bring her chocolates. Oh, but it puts on weight. Well, that's your hang-up, not hers. Let her decide that. Chocolates aren't healthy. Does it close only counts with... Horseshoes and grenades. Those are the two things that they say. Okay. Now the Rebbe's going to explain the panemius of Karbonus. One of the Avedas that was in the Mikdash, who Indian Avedas are Karbonus. It's Karbonus. What's a Korban in Panemius? There's obviously a spiritual corollary to Korban. I mean, the Korban is the physical act. What's it expressing in the Nefesh? We see, the Rebbe says, if you don't take the Rebbe's word for it, Right, the involvement of the Kohanim and the Levim in their Aveda, meaning a Korban is an Aveda for the Kohen and the Levi, meaning, yes, there's a Korban brought on the Mizbeach, but there's also people who are involved in that Aveda. So obviously there's a certain Ruchnius element to their involvement, and 
Shiram Vizimram Beis Havasa Korban. There was also music at the time, a bringing of the Korban, the, the Levim would be, would be playing music and singing. Obviously, music is something spiritual, uplifting. I mean, it's supposed to be. The Inyan of Vedas Korban, the whole notion of Vedas Korban, Bavveda Benefisha Adam, who, what's a Korban in Aveda, who, Dixiv, is that which is written at the very beginning of Vyikra. I think it's the second Pasuk in Vyikra. Adam ki yakriv mikem korban lavayo, a person will sacrifice a monk from amongst you a korban lavayo, mina behema, should be from the behema, which is a domesticated animal. You'll notice we do not bring korbanas from non-domesticated animals, from a chaya, even though they're kosher chayas. A deer is a kosher animal, you can eat a deer. Well, you shecht a deer, catch it, shecht it, no problem. Probably a moose and an elk, all that, that whole family. Right, okay, try catching a moose. But but you, you can you can you can eat them. You just we never brought them as korbanas because a korban has to be a behema, not a chaya. Okay, and what what is that? Two different types of behemas. Mina bakar, mina tsoin. Bakar is cattle. Tsoin are sheep and goats. And the rest of the pasuk is takrivu es korbanchem. Sacrifice your sacrifice. <coughs> okay, so. sacrifices from amongst you. Proper syntax is a person from amongst you who sacrifices. What do you mean sacrifice from amongst you? You're taking human sacrifices? Sacrificing from amongst you? Okay, so it sounds like. Okay, so this word is misplaced. It should be here. A person from amongst you who sacrifices. Right, that's proper syntax. Okay, that's what I was going to mention. Okay. Could it not be that that means that they do the sacrifice in the community? Might mean whatever it means, but it's in, that would only be taught to you by the improper placing of the word mikem. You're giving an answer to the question. There could be all sorts of answers to the question, but the question's a question. When you look at that verse, you under, you, you ask why is the word mikem put where it's put? The piano of the lady with three legs. Improper syntax. The piano has three legs, not the lady. Mikem should theoretically be a person from amongst you who sacrifices a sacrifice. Leave out the word Mikem. Adam ki akriv, korban lavai. You don't need the word Mikem. But once you put the word Mikem where it is, so it's coming to teach me something, because it's not in the proper place. Right? If we, if you think there's a way of reading it with it in the, in that place, there are many ways of reading it within that place. But that is simply an answer to a question that the reader of the pasuk has to ask: Why is the word mikem in a strange place? All sorts of answers. Right? Alpinigla was Rashi saying chumash. 
No, Rashi and Chumash, this is not esoteric. This is something that everybody has to know. Palpat. You learn Rashi every day. Rashi on that day is Aliyah. After one year, you've seen every Rashi and Chumash, and if you do that for 30 years, you'll probably remember Rashi and Chumash. If you, if you learn it, don't read it. Okay, so if you don't do that, you can start today. Chamishi, Pashas Karim. Rashi says that the, we learn in Nigla that the Korban has to be yours. You can't bring a stolen animal. It has to be Mikim. It has to be your animal. Okay. But that's Nigla. Let's see. I mean, that, that's Nigla's answer to the question. Everybody asks the question. It's just what the answer is. So Chzibis has an answer. Dechsiv Adam Kiyakriv Mikem Korban Levaya Mina Behema from the Behema Mina Bokar Mina Tzayn Dilichuura at first glance, yuksha, it is difficult. If the intention of this pasuk was rak only, levar mishpate akorban, was only to explain the nigla of it all, just simple pshat in a korban, and what would that be? You know, the, all the different laws. It should have said, Adam mikem ki yakriv korban, a person from amongst you who sacrifices a korban, Lavaya to Hashem, hine kach vekach, such and such, ye mishpat huvasa korban vilchaisov. This will be the different laws of bringing a korban. But we know the Torah often writes itself in, a, in an unusual way in order to understand sometimes more halacha. I mean, it's not only for nigla, and also for a deeper understanding of what's going on. Right? Interestingly enough, usually once you understand the panemius, so, and it makes sense. I mean, when you think about it, it's just sort of obvious. The simple reading of the words will be Alpi the Panemius. Meaning, if it were only Alpi Nigla, so then the words would be in a different order. And it's Dafka in order to teach me the deeper idea that the words are out of order, or whatever happens to be an extra word, or whatever it happens to be. Okay? The simplest way of learning this Pusik is going to be Alpi Panemius. Person sacrifices from amongst you. We'll see what that means. It's going to mean two different things. It's two pshatim in that word in this paragraph. Umipnei ma, which, you know, because of what? In other words, why? Umipnei ma, why, Oimer, does it say, Adam kiyakriv mikem, a person who sacrifices from amongst you, v'chule, Ella, rather, yedua kavana it's known the intention. Who Shaba Gam Lavar Klolis Inyana Karbonas Baveda Benefisha Adam. It's coming to teach the basic notion of Karbonas in the service of the soul of a person. Vezeo Adam Kiyakriv, a person who sacrifices. The word Yakriv, of course, the source of the word, the root of the word, is Kufresh base, <coughs> which means close, karov. Ha'adam, a person, when he approaches godliness, he wants to come close to Elokus, who mikem, it is from you, hine, I'm sorry, hine, mikem hu korban lavaya, from you there is a korban. What does that mean? It doesn't mean what you think it means. You think you're the korban. That's not what the Rebbe says. Not yet. He's going to, but only two-thirds of the way down the page. The first lesson, and it's such an amazing thing, this is the first lesson in the Torah, because ultimately, what does Vayikra begin? Vayikra begins the, the serious 
revelation of all of the halachas in the Torah. I mean, up until then, there's been a lot of stories. Bereish is setting the setting the the table for the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, which are all ultimately about getting to a place called Matan Torah, which happens in the middle of the book of of Shmais. Fine. There's Matan Torah, Baruch Hashem. Then a parsha of a lot of halachas, mishpatim, which are all, you know, just a continuation of Matan Torah. It's describing all the laws that were given in Matan Torah. Then the rest, the whole rest of, of, uh, of Shmeis is Mishkan-centered, right? Truma Tetzava, Truma building the Mishkan, Tetzava, the big day Kuhona, Parshas Kisisa, which is more of the same with Chet Egel thrown in the middle, <coughs> and then V'yakal Pekude, which is a repetition of Truman Tetzava within the context of it getting done. Why is it repeated? Good question. Okay. That's the end. And then what? And then V'yikra, all the halachas in the Torah. Okay, here we go. Here's, here's, the, here's the rest of the mitzvahs. We had a lot of them in Mishpat, but, but a lot in V'yikra. Bamidbar, mostly stories again. And then Devarim, a repetition of all of the halachas, but, but lots and lots of halachas that we haven't heard and lots of halachas that we have heard. Right? There are more mitzvahs in Parsha's Seitze than any other Parsha in the Torah, right? which is in Devarim. Right? Okay, so the, the beginning of Aveda, for Yikra. Okay, here, everything's done. There's a Mishkan, and you got the Torah, so now what do you have to do? What's Aveda all about? So the second Pasuk in Vayikra tells you what Aveda is all about. And what's the first thing you're told? So astounding, amazing. Adam ki yakriv, a person who wants to come close to Elokus, hine mikem hu korban lavaya, from you is the korban. What does that mean? Mikem ubachem talui adavar. Upon you is dependent the thing, meaning it depends on you. Liyos korban lavaya, to be a korban to Hashem. Hainu, liyos, that means liyos karav el Hashem. It's dependent on you. What does that mean? The Yedua, the Karbonus, the whole union of a Korban. When we say Korban Levi, we mean to be close to Hashem. Why? The Yedua, it's known. The Karbonus, same union, Kiruva Kechis. Karbonus are Kiruva Kechis, bringing close the powers, the Hushim and senses of the animal. You're elevating the animal to a state of Elokos. Uba Bezelavar. So this comes to teach. Adam Kiyakiv, a person who wants to come close to a Kaddish Borahu, it's completely dependent upon you to be close. What does that mean? So the Bal Musr immediately starts beating himself up and telling himself, I'm not saying the, Bal, the real Bal Musr, I'm saying the Bal Musr in you, right? The person who likes to beat yourself up. So that person, oh, that is completely dependent on me, and if I don't get it together, I don't know. It's not what the other says. I mean, that's also true. That's not what the Rebbe says. That's not the focus at all. This comes to explain. When a person wants to come close to Elokuz, it's from you, it's dependent on you. What does it mean it's dependent on you? If it's dependent on you, it means you can do it. That a person should not say, how will I come close to Elokuz? Who am I to come close? Ubefrat, particularly, why might the person say that about himself? Because there's one person he knows better than anybody else in the world. Kasher Yerdeo, Mahuseyatsmi, he knows who he really is. His, now, here, when the Rebbe says his true being, he doesn't mean his true being in terms of his essential being, because that's a Nefesh Elokis, that's a godly soul. When he says Mahuseyatsmi, it means the Mahuseyatsmi was Nefesh Bahamis. What's Nefesh Bahamis? Nefesh Bahamis is conscious you. 
Nefesh Elokis is essential you. Nefesh Bahamis is conscious you. Who are you? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, who, who am I? What level of me are you talking about? Who are you when you, refer, when you say I? Who are you referring to? You're referring to the Nefesh Bahamis. Because that experience of I comes from the Nefesh Bahamis. The reason we experience I is that the, the root of that is the, is, the, is the intellect of the Nefesh Bahamis. The Seichel of the Nefesh Bahamis is the source of that experience called I. Is that experience negative? No, it's what God created. He gave it to us. It's actually quite amazing. Okay, now it can be used for all sorts of idiocy. No doubt about that. Meaning, if it's solely an experience of self, it'll probably produce negativity. But that self can come to the conclusion that life isn't about me. I can come to that conclusion. That's a pretty amazing conclusion for an I to come to. Well, uh, you know, probably everybody in this room is grappling with that conclusion one way or the other either trying to decide whether that's really it or have already made the decision that that's really it, but now trying to actually internalize that and express it in the way you act and speak and think. It's called the Veda. It's what life is all about. Okay. Where does that come from? Never surprised. Okay, so I decide I want to come to Elokos. What's the first thing I have to understand? That I can. It's completely dependent on me. And even though I know who I am, even though I might know about myself that I'm on a low level and I might be soiled by certain things that are not exactly positive, I know that about myself more than I know that about anybody else. Because I'm there when everything happens. So therefore, he might say about himself, that he's very far from Elokus. How can I come close to Elokus? I can do mitzvahs, that I get. That's not hard. Coming close to Elokus, can I do that? What's the first thing that the Torah teaches us once it starts talking about Mikem, From you. It's dependent upon you. Not dependent on you that if you don't do it, you're responsible and blah, 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 blah. No. It's dependent upon you. In other words, you have the ability to do it. That's the point that the, the Rebbe is making. Now the Rebbe is going to say something quite challenging. If this line were taken out, we'd probably feel better. Every single Jew, Yachol Leimar, is able to say, Masai Yagiu Masai, when will they reach my deeds? When will my deeds reach? Lamaisa Vesai, the deeds of my fathers, Avram Yitzhak Vyakiv. Now, anybody who's ever learned Tanya will understand the diuk in this language here. It doesn't say, when will my being reach their being? I'm not a tzaddik. But can my deeds reach their deeds? Well, isn't that what a Benoni is all about? 
that the deeds of a Bainani, the thought, speech, and action of a Bainani is all, always positive? Yeah, that's what a Bainani is. Okay, so every single Jew can challenge themselves to be that. All right? Now, everything's okay up until now, until the next few words. All right? When will my, every single Jew has to say, can say, Yochel Leimar is able to say to himself, is able to challenge himself. And there are no limitations in this. Take that out, we'll feel better. There is nothing preventing a Jew from reaching this level, Halila, heaven forfend. Lalois to go up, ulagia, and to reach uliskarev and to become close to elokus. It's quite a challenge. Ve'ein a kadosh baruch hu ba betrunim briyesef, and a kadosh baruch hu doesn't come trunya. It means tyranny. It's probably the root of the word tyranny. Kadosh baruch hu doesn't come in a tyrannical way with his briyes, which means what? He doesn't ask us to do things that we can't do. So if he says, love God with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul and all your might, so then you can love God with all your lev and nefesh and ma'id. Otherwise you wouldn't ask. So he doesn't ask us to put tefillin on our third arm. Because he didn't give us one. We can't do that. We only have two. Okay. So he asked us to put tefillin on one of those two. There too, my marm of the <coughs> the Friedrich Rebbe and Contrasi. It's a three-volume set of my marm, very basic my marm of Friedrich Rebbe called Contrasi. Contrasi is a little pamphlet, so they put a bunch of pamphlets together, and it's called Contrasi. Rebbe sent my marm to the Chassidim, so so uh, the Friedrich Rebbe. So the, the one of those, the two of them. Both talking about this idea at great length. One's called in the the other's called Matever Elecho. Matever Elecho, I think, is in Kuntresim Aleph. In the is in Kuntresim Gimu. My Marim, they talk about the fact that when a Kodesh asks us to do something, it's within the context of our ability, as the Rebbe is going to say right now. He's revealed and illuminates in every single one of us. In accordance with the two different words for ability, potential and ability of that person. <coughs> like the Medrash says, when I ask, the Kaddish Baruch was talking, when I ask for you to do something, I don't ask in accordance with my abilities, rather in accordance with their abilities. In accordance with the abilities of every single one. The Abishter asks every single one of us to reach our potential in our ability to come close to him. So when he asks us to do something, he doesn't ask us to do it because he can do it. He asks us to do it because we can do it. And that's ultimately what separates the the men from the boys, as they say, in 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 in, in Aveda. Does someone take seriously the challenge to be an El Chayid? Or does he look around and say, well, you know, mediocrity seems to sort of be the you know, an acceptable alternative. 
So I'll choose mediocrity. That's easy, relatively. It's easy. It's very, very easy to justify mediocrity, as long as you're not dealing with truth. We can always do that. We'll look around. But we can't justify, justify mediocrity in ourselves if we ever encounter what the rebellion tell us truth is. That's why we have to learn what they say. <coughs> in accordance with the ability of each and every one. And each and every one of us has different abilities, different strengths and different weaknesses. So sometimes, you know, simply our Aveda will probably accentuate our strengths. Simple shot. I mean, obviously if you're you know, the worst fundraiser in the world. So, you know, don't go fundraising for a vita. You know, like, oh, I'm going to change myself. I think probably, the, you know, do something else. Right? Because that, you're probably not going to be so good at it. Okay, fine. On the other hand, there are certain times when you're not so good at something, so you accentuate that. There was once a buck who asked the Rebbe, he was in Yechidis, and he asked the Rebbe relative to learning Nigla. Should he focus on what's called Svara, or should he focus on what's called Cheshbet? Two different ways of learning Nigla seriously, learning Gemara in a deeper way. One's called Svara. What does Svara mean? The logic behind it all. Trying to understand the con the conceptual basis of the Gemara's question, different concept conceptual answers to that question. Meaning, what's the conceptual difference between the Rajba and the Ritva in this particular issue in the Gemara? And it's all Svara. Other people, or rather, another way of learning is called Cheshbin. Cheshbin is your cheshbin ice. You make a cheshbin of all the, different, all the different positions. Not so much in terms of, I mean, yes, to a certain degree conceptually, but more just what, does each, what do these positions say about a particular halachic issue in the Gemara. I once spent a year learning with someone who was a, he was a Rosh Kailo, and I used to sit and learn with him while he prepared to say the shir to the Kailo. And I was teaching in yeshiva where he was the Rosh Kailo, there was a Kailo in the yeshiva. So, so... Uh, so uh, he was a cheshbon. He used to, He was into cheshbon. How would we, how would we learn? We'd learn a page of gemara. We'd problem shoot. Like, what are the issues? What are the main issues in this gemara? Fine. Okay. What does Rashi say? What does Tzitzit say? What does the Rambam say? Now, what's the question? Let's say you pick one question. There's always more than one, but the one major question in the sugi. Halakha question. For instance, what? Mamun amutubasafik. You have a certain situation where you have two people claiming that they are both the, the, the rightful owner of this hundred dollars, right? Meaning I'm saying to you, you owe me a hundred dollars. You're saying to me that you don't owe me a hundred dollars. Okay, they're arguing over this hundred dollars. And that hundred dollars is in a state of existential doubt. We're not sure. How do we solve that? So Chazal have six or seven different ways of solving such issues. Sometimes we make people take oaths. Sometimes we split it, right? I mean, Paul's heard about this, right? Sometimes we split with an oath. Sometimes we split without an oath. All sorts of different. Sometimes the person who's owed the money takes the oath. Sometimes the person who's being told that he's obligated to pay takes the oath. All sorts of different ways of understanding how to solve such a problem. Okay. So we learn through, you know, some of the major sugyas of what's called, it's called Maman Amutl Basafa. Money that's in a state of doubt. We learn through six, seven, eight, ten major sugyas on that issue. It comes up all over. And started learning the Rishonim. And his whole thing was, according to each Rishon, what, what would be the most useful way of doing it? Let's say the Rambam. 
What's the first thing the Rambam would like to do, if possible? And if not that, then there's the second thing he'd like to do. If not that, then the third thing. If not that, then the fourth thing. The, everybody agreed the last resort was what's called kol da'alim dvar. There's such a solution. There's a Gemara that talks about two people arguing about a boat that's in the, uh, that's in the harbor. They're arguing about who owns the boat. What was the decision in Bastin? Kol da'alim dvar. May the stronger man win. Meaning, run. First one that gets there, it's his boat. That's actually, that's what the, it's one of the solutions. Now, uh, that's obviously the last solution you'd like to come to, right? Though there's one that's even more draconian, right? It'll sit and baste in an escrow until Eliyahu shows up, meaning neither of you get it. Oh, that, that, well, okay, let someone enjoy the boat, right? No, the boat's going to sit in harbor and rot until we can solve this problem, okay? So we went through all the Rishonim and, you know, so to speak, lining up what they would rather do, what order they would like to solve this problem in through, you know, 8, 10, 12 major Rishonim. That's called Cheshbon. Rambam says like this. Mitva says like this. Rashba says like this. Okay. So this Bakr asked the Rebbe, which is more important, Svara or Cheshbon? Which should I, which should I emphasize in my learning? Rabbi asked him, which are you best at? So he says, Svara. So guess what the Rabbi told him to do? In that case, break through that. Break through. Don't just do that which you're good at. Break through that and do something that's more challenging. Okay, depends on the situation. But everybody has keiches. And evidently the Rebbe is telling this Bacha that he has Keiches also to learn in an Eifen of Cheshman, not just Svaro, which he's more naturally inclined to do. He can sit back with his cup of coffee and his cigarette and just talk Svaro all day. No. Can't do it with a cigarette anymore. You're not allowed to smoke in Zal. <clears throat> Shouldn't smoke anywhere. But... Okay. Used to be that the, uh, there was... Ananeha covered clouds of glory above every base medrash in the world. The cigarette smoke that would hover above all those guys sitting there. I mean, you know, I mean, learning Torah all day does lend itself to smoking cigarettes, right? Because you want to do something, every, you know, every, I don't know, 40 minutes that's dip, just like a break, though you don't want to move. Well, okay, so they would light another cigarette. Right, so be clouds above. Okay. So every single one of us can do whatever it is that has to get done, and every single one of us has strengths and weaknesses. As a result of this, every single person has the ability to be elevated and to reach very high levels of connection to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And this is pshat in Adam Kiyakri, a person who wants to come close. In order, the first thing a person has to know if they want to approach Elokus is they can. Because obviously, if I think I can't, well, then I won't. Adam Then, in order for a person to approach Elokus, whom he came, it's from you. That upon you the thing depends. Talui means hangs. That from you is a korban levayo. Demikem takrivas korban levaya. From you, sacrifice a korban. Now the Rebbe is switching a slightly different emphasis on this, on this whole idea. 
up until now, what did the record say? We're now going to see the second shot. We said like this, Adam Kiyakri, Mikem. And Mikem is modifying what comes before. Right? A person wants to come close, it's dependent on you. That's what we've set up until now. And that's true. Now the rabbi is got because the Mikem is like a hinge. Now we're going to say like this, Mikem Korban Labai. From you, there should be a Korban Lashem. Meaning bring yourself as a Korban. What does that mean? That's what the rabbi is about to explain. The Eina Kavona, the intention is not Rak, HaKorban Shel HaBahema Bilvad, the Korban of the Bahema alone. Ki'im, but rather, Mikem Mamesh, from you it's from you yourself. Vuhu, Mina Bahema, and that's from the Bahema. Adam Ki Akriv, a person wants to come close to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, Mikem Korban Lavaya. Dan, I did not notice that you were sitting there alone. I'm sorry. Mikem Korban Lavaya, from you is a Korban to Hashem. What does that mean? Humina behema. It's from the behema. The is not just saying pshat in the pasuk. Humina behema. What's the behema? Ha behema shaladam. The behema that's in a person's heart, meaning hainu shahu nevishabamis. To sacrifice your nevishabamis. What does that mean? When you sacrifice a cow, what do you do? You take a baseball bat to it and beat it senseless? No. What do you do to a korban? You elevate it. Right? You put it. You you you, you shecht it which is a means of elevation. All of those who were around Purim and learned the, the famous Sikha, Kam Rabba V'shachet Elo Remember that? Ein Shachet Elo Mashach. To Shecht means to elevate. Rabba elevated Rav Zera to a whole new level of understanding such that he experienced Kleis and Nefesh, his soul left his body. Okay? So Shechit is elevating the animal to a higher state. Okay, so you have to elevate your Nefesh You have to kill your Nefesh if you kill your Nevesh Bamis, then there's no conscious you. What, then what's that all about? Right? You have to elevate conscious you. So conscious you is interested in Elokus. Mina Bakar, Mina Tsein. From, and the Rebbe saying Pshat in the Pasuk. Mina Bakar, cattle, Mina Tsein. Hain Hema, we'll just finish with this. Hain Hema, Prate Madregis, the Yeshnam Benevesh Bahamis. These are the different levels of Benevesh Bahamis. Right? Some people are a Bakar, some people are like a, a goring ox, and some people are like a sh- little Shepsala. It's well known. It's not similar. The ways of rectification in every single person. Every single person, his Nevesh Bahamis is different, so his Avedi is different. There are people, his Nevesh Bahamis is a shore, Nagach, is a goring ox. And he's Mamish Gas, he's crass. Vayesh, and there are those people, shoot tzayin, like a sheep, shoot behemadaka, it's like a, which is a smaller animal. But this is also a behema. Aval hubadaka, so-called pani, but it's more, it's more subtle. Right? There's the person who's just pushed a, 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 an ox. He's out there at the football field in, in Michigan in the end of November, and it's minus 20 degrees, and he's got his shirt off, and he's got a big M painted on. This is the, this is the cream of the crop of the intellectual elite of the United States, right? University of Michigan, like serious school. He's got a big M painted on his chest, and he's out there screaming, Rah! like, 
concussion and ox. Your average sports fan. Right? Okay. It could be South African rugby or whatever it is, you know. Just find your sport. Right? Okay, the ox. And then there's the sewn. The little lady with her opera glasses. Oh, isn't the soprano marvelous? Right? Now she's obviously, you'd rather have her for tea than the guy who might eat your table. If you, you know. Okay, true. She's, she's less dangerous. She's more boring. I mean, you'd might, you know, probably rather hang out with the first guy just because at least he'll, you know, this lady is really fucking boring. Okay, but, but different people have a different nebuchadnezzar. There's people who like movies. Hey, you want to go to see a movie? Yeah. Which movie? I don't know. They go to some movie where before the credits have even finished, four universes have been completely and totally obliterated and blown up. And, you know, unbelievable, you know, what do they call special effects and destruction and, and, and mayhem. That's before the credits. I mean, you haven't even met anybody yet. Well, and, of course, there's, you know, one woman who's a starlet, who, you know, doesn't wear any clothes. That's the movie. Okay. Ah, we're going to go to a movie. Ah, ah, go to a movie. Ah, we'll go to a movie. Ah, okay. Okay, Jim. Okay, John. Let's go to a movie. And then there's other people. Oh, there's a very good film playing at the arts club. Would you like to go see the film, Seymour? Oh, yes. Yes, let's go see the film. I hear it's a new Swedish director who's really quite, quite interesting. Some very interesting concepts. Film. There's no dialogue in the whole thing. No, no, it's all, it's black and white. They go to the film. That's any less Nefesh Bahamis than the guy watching the Knicks play the 76ers. It's more sophisticated Nefesh Bahamis. But it's all just Nefesh Bahamis. So there's Nefesh Bahamis that's more sophisticated and Nefesh Bahamis that's less sophisticated. You know what's really interesting? You know the one you can break faster? The first one. The sophisticated one? They're so impressed by their own sophistication, it's almost impossible to get through them. The college on the American college scene that sends less people to yeshiva than any other college. I mean, this is not a this is not a checked out statistic. It just happens to be I've been, you know, teaching in Balchubi yeshivas for 35 years. Harvard, almost never. Why? Leave Harvard. What could possibly be better than what I have? I am the cream of the cream. Get that guy to change? Ooh, that's hard. There are people do it, but it's very hard. Very hard. Because they're on the, the highway, the freeway, right? I mean, some people are on the on-ramp. They're already on the freeway to, you know, the American dream. Very hard to get them to stop. Whereas the guy in, you know, southeastern Louisiana Tech, so if you, you know, he goes to Chabad House there and he sees something interesting, he goes, well, it is interesting, I, I, I could take off some time and go do that. Take off time from Harvard? Very hard to do. Now, it's just, it's, it's hard to get them to do it. And I understand why. It's not like he's a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. His whole life he's been taught something that this is it, and now he's it. So, I mean, try to get that guy to change. That's going to be harder. 
get that lady to change. You know, hey, the soprano. She's just stuck there with her white gloves. Never get her out of there. Right? Your average, normal, everyday person, okay, maybe there's something other than what I have. You can imagine that. Okay. Even Yale sends more people to you. <laughs> We've had some Yaleys here. I wonder how many guys over the years, we're going to ask Rabbi Moss to look it up. I, don't, I can think of maybe one guy from Harvard who ever came here. What about MIT? MIT? No, we've had some guys from MIT. Hmm. The, 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 the Shluchim on Harvard, it's, it's a hard place. It's not, it's not easy. Because, I mean, in all fairness, you're in a place that the whole, your whole life, most students, you know, the American students, I mean, also foreign students, but the American student, the whole, his whole life has probably been told that if he makes it to Harvard, he made it. So he just made it. So I understand what he's going to stop doing this now. <laughs> that's not so simple. Right? I mean, not, he's not a bad guy. It's just that's what he's been told his whole life. So that's going to be, that's going to be a harder cleaper to break than some other cleapers that are obviously just, you know, some sort of enjoyment as opposed to a whole world of accomplishment, etc. Right? Okay. So there's different types of Nefesh Bahamas. Kamavur, we'll stop in one second. Kamavur, Barichas, Bekuntus, Atfila, Tafrei Samak, as the Rebbe Shab explains in his famous Kuntus, Kuntus, Atfila, which was sent to the, to the Tmimim. Uh, there's a period in the next line. The Pimim in Tafrei Samak. 18 was Tafrei Samak. No, sorry, 1900. And this is why it says, it's not on the board, this is the part of the Pasuk <coughs> the Rebbe hadn't quoted yet, you'll sacrifice your korban. Everybody has a different korban. Different korban based on where you grew up. Different korban on, you know, what your parents were into, right? Different korban in terms of uh, your intellectual abilities and your emotional abilities and your emotion. All, everybody's different. There isn't one person in the world that's like the next person. It's why we can't judge other people relative to what they're doing. It might be if I had his Yitzhahara, I'd never get out of bed every day, right? So the fact that he misses Chassidus, okay, so if I had his, I, I would miss Nigla also. Right? He at least gets up for Nigla. Now, that doesn't mean that he's right. Now, he himself, when he's challenging himself, can't let himself not get up for chassidus. When I look at him, my job isn't to tell him. My job might be, but I mean, as a, just a, you know, as, a, as a peer. Well, my job is, actually. But as a peer, as a peer, what, you know, what, what, how do I look at that person? I, you know, who knows what his Yetzirah is? I don't know what his Yetzirah is. Right? So he might be battling his Yetzirah a lot more powerfully than I'm battling mine. It's just his is three times the size. Okay. In, in this particular realm. Everybody has it somewhere. Right, okay, fine. Then what's the challenge? Adam ki Sacrifice it. Elevate it. And the Rebbe will teach us how. We go fight your Sunday morning. <coughs>